0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of DTV. I'm Layla Medeiros, and I am delighted to bring back Shelly Archambault, one of Silicon Valley's first Black female CEOs, formerly an executive at IBM and a CEO of a then-struggling Silicon Valley startup, which is now MetricStream, a leader in GRC, Governance, Risk, and Compliance, Now, she currently serves as a Fortune 500 board member and holds seats at Verizon, Nordstrom, Robor Technologies, and Okta. Um, So, in her spare time, Shelley has also uh, just recently written a book, Unapologetically Ambitious, which is due to hit the shelves or the virtual shelves these days on October 6th. Lots has been going on, Shelley, since we last spoke. First of all, welcome back to DTV and congratulations on your book.
1: Oh, thanks, Linda, it's great to be here. It really, it really is, and I appreciate the, the congratulations. It was a lot of work.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. So before we dive into some of the questions on the digital side of things, can you give us a little sneak peek on what Unapologetically Ambitious is all about?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So full title, Unapologetically Ambitious, Take Risks, Break Barriers, and Create Success on Your Own Terms. And basically, this is a book about how to get what you want out of life, professionally and personally, Mm -hmm. by being intentional. Mm -hmm. It talks about approaches and strategies, how you can improve your odds to actually succeed, however you define success. I found that there really weren't books out there that... Shared all of the stuff that goes on. You know, this is hard work. Yeah And It's not easy and we all struggle and we all have challenges and we have things like imposter syndrome Which I had and you mm. have bad bosses and you have obstacles there are all these things, but people don't always share What that was actually like mm. and what happened and then how they dealt with it and what they did So I'm trying to in this book basically share listen as someone who looks like me, breaking through in technology, right? Yeah. To actually become a CEO and then sit on Fortune 500 boards, et cetera. Um, it, it didn't happen by accident. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to share with others so that they can achieve whatever
0: aspirations they have for themselves. I guess on the topic of uh, challenges and obstacles, um, you were uh, CEO of MetricStream. Um, you held senior positions at IBM. You're on the board of major Silicon Valley companies. Um, being a woman in business is already hard enough. So um, what inspired you to enter, go further and enter technology, uh, which is also you know, more along the lines of making things more difficult? Absolutely. Well, honestly, it wasn't so much that I was inspired
1: about technology. Truth be told, I was focused on an industry that was growing because i had big aspirations i wanted to run a company one day and the best advice that i got or heard was if i choose an industry that's a growth industry there will be more opportunities and they'll probably come along faster because in industries that are growing you have companies that are growing and when companies are growing they never have enough resource so they're always trying to scale their organization so people that are good and are able to learn and contribute and keep rising they want to help do that quickly so they can scale their organization. For some of
0: the uh, folks that are tuning in um, to just kind of get some advice, if you could travel back in time um, to the start of your career, what's the one piece of advice that you would give yourself? Hmm.
1: Make sure people know what you do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, a lot of times when we meet people or are engaged, they'll say, what do you do? And we give them a title. Oh, I'm a director of operations. I'm the manager of, you know, whatever, professional services, or I'm de- and we just assume that people know what that means, mm-hmm. but you know what they don't. And the reason they don't is it's very rare that a title has the exact same job description from one company to another. So you do yourself a disservice when you actually just give your title mm-hmm. because you're not sharing anything about what skills you have, what experience, what you've actually done. So yeah. instead, if you were to answer the question, oh, I'm the director of operations. I'm responsible for couple of customer implementations around the world and I measure it on overall satisfaction and profitability. Yeah. Okay. That took 20 seconds, right? Now, anybody leaving that conversation knows not only what my title is, but they know what my responsibility is and therefore they can intuit some of the skills that I've got. Why is that important? because they may know of opportunities that, wow, we need somebody who has a global experience with company customer implementations. They'll think, oh, Shelly's got that. Versus if they walked away with Shelly's you know, head of operations, they're not going to think of me when that opportunity comes up. So yeah. take advantage of simple questions
0: and make sure that people actually know what you do. On a different note, you have also been on both sides of the uh, fence, as they say. Um, You have been a CEO on the business side and also uh, have been a VC or board member on on the tech investor side. Um, So having been on both sides, I'm curious how, from your perspective today, tech companies can be better or do better.
1: You know, a couple a couple of things. One is to ensure that your board, your investors, at least the key investors, Mm -hmm. understand, really understand what your strategy is and that there's alignment on the vision. When there's alignment on the vision, then you can actually agree to a strategy because you're heading to this, you agree on the place that you're heading. So now you can have a strategy. And once you have an agreed to strategy, then putting plans in place, how much you want to spend, what you need to invest, where that it actually becomes easier. The other thing is having been on all sides. I will tell you, I don't think tech companies invest enough in developing strong management skills. Oh yeah. And it shows up in all the examples of bad behavior. You know, you open up a paper, read the news, whatever it is, and something's happened. Somebody's acted out, somebody's done something, right? And you look at it and think, really? How, How did this happen or get to this point? And many times
0: what's transpired is basic good management skills have been overlooked. When you say development, and I totally agree, is it developing them by training some of the managers in-house or just bringing in highly seasoned managers to make sure that you know, they don't have to spend too much time trying to educate senior leaders on how to manage?
1: Yeah, I, I think it has to be both because yeah. the companies exist, right? People right. Are already there not going to swap out your entire leadership team with a different leadership team, right? Or your managers, managers, as you hire, you should definitely look for that, those skill sets, but you're going to have to basically train and develop people. And that doesn't mean sending everybody to a three month course or something. That's not what I mean, but Mm -hmm. there are some very straightforward ways in which you can start to embed good discipline around what it is to be a good manager. It doesn't have to be even formal, but it needs to be
0: discussed and talked about. Let's uh, jump back to uh, some of the feedback that you actually provided in your previous interview, which I think was over a year ago. And in one case, I think what resonated at least with me is that you had said that, you know, all in all, it all starts with the customer um, and then gravitates to the business side. And that resonated with me because I'm, I'm in marketing and I know you've been a CMO before, but um, with marketing in the past ten years, things have become digital. As you know, you know companies that are in B two B who have maybe a SaaS based model have been able to leverage the freemium um, scenario and and um, help you know create lead generation or low touch point sales initiative. Um, implement gamification, uh, which also came from the consumer side or came from their customers. Um, can you sort of expand on that? concept and uh, Give us your perspective on that and elaborate also on maybe there There may be some good examples of what you see that are happening now Sure, so yes, I believe it.
1: It all starts with the customer and So when you think about Digital and digital technology and how do you leverage it? and How do you use it? Right? Uh, Yes, you can use it in your business to improve operations and efficiency effectiveness knowledge data. Oh, absolutely but frankly, one of the most powerful places to use it is to actually help you deliver better and higher and more consistent value to your customers. So that's why I say start with the customers and leverage technology to develop a better understanding of their wants, needs, satisfaction, to be able to provide, a set of products and services and capabilities, right? That's easy for them to use, that adds the value that wants them to use. So if you start with the customer first, then you can figure out, okay, so now what do I need to do on the back end, on the business model to support it, right? On the operational side to support it on. And that's why I say, start here. If you start here, then what happens is there are a lot of things you wanna do for the customer, but you're not structured right. You know, either the data is in too many different places, right? Or you've already got inherent barriers to be able to provide the kinds of services and support, et cetera, that you want. Um, And when I look at companies, I think of like like Slack is a great example. I think Slack is extremely customer-centric. As a matter of fact, their product actually started not as a product at all, but as a tool for their own developers. And then realized that, hey, this is actually pretty valuable. Maybe Mm -hmm. we make this the product. Um, But because it started that way, they listen, right? Mm -hmm. They provide it out there. um, You know, talk about freemium model and pay, right? You have all that as well. But they have a chance to listen, to figure out where the big value is. What's the next thing? What should they do? Constantly, right? Taking that information to improve the offering that they've got. Mm -hmm. That's the strongest position that you can be in. Because when customers feel that you are truly meeting their needs, anticipating their needs, et cetera, they'll give you wiggle room when you have challenges, right? Or problems or what have you. Um, and then you can build
0: what you need on the back end to go support it. It's interesting too, um, you, you said listen, and, and that's the key part of it. And, and technology companies, there's often a bit of a slippery slope too, because you do get um, you know uh, the innovators that are maybe in their respective labs coming up with the new and cool ways of developing things or doing things, but you you have to get back and go and say, is this something that the customer actually wants? If your product is your baby, then you're not really gonna hear what Mm. the market is telling you.
1: Mm. You're not gonna be paying attention to the changes and the nuances, right? And where things are going because you're too focused on your product. Fall in love with your market. And when you do that, by
0: definition, you become customer centric. One of the other uh, things that you had also mentioned previously was that there are two instances, primarily where digital technology can impact your business. And the first is actually changing how you operate. And the second is how companies can change the value proposition that you, they provide to their customers. I think the power has
1: just gotten stronger and mm-hmm. if anything, COVID has just, you know, yeah. sealed it. But um, Yes, when I think of digital technology and how you leverage, it goes back to the point that I was making earlier about the focus on, on customers. There are different ways to think about leveraging technology and a lot of companies um, spend time on improving their operations. You know, the internal side of it, driving efficiency, cost savings, right, et cetera. Um, and that's absolutely, where there's lots of innovative opportunities. But actually how you interface with your customer How you provide transparency into, who knows, their own customer journey, right? You know, et cetera, can be extremely valuable to the marketplace. So Mm -hmm. thinking about how you use digital technology, digital transformation in two separate buckets allows you to prioritize what it is you do and where you spend money. This whole notion and focus is important because at this point, customers are going to go with what's easy. And we have a lot of people right now because of COVID that are using digital services that
0: they never used before. Speaking of this, this era in the wake of COVID 19, I mean, we've been seeing a lot of digital innovation come about, particularly in one segment that we're very heavily concentrating on at is it's, it's the medical tech sector, healthcare. Do you think that there's a silver lining to any of this? Could a business emerge stronger following the crisis thanks to their use of digital technology? Oh, the answer is absolutely. You know, one of the things that
1: happens in a crisis uh, is, and Thomas Friedman actually talks about this, in, um, but is the fact that trends tend to accelerate during a crisis. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, it's exactly what's happening. You know, we already had a trend of you know some people working remotely, working from home, et cetera. Well, guess what? <laughs> now we have a huge population, right, that is, is doing it. If you were already investing in technology to help you better both manage your ops but also interface with your customers, then you're able to take advantage of this right now.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: if you weren't, then you can't. And you know, a great a great example. Um, I'll talk about you know Nordstrom because it's public information, but Nordstrom had the ability because the technology investments they made prior to actually sell online the inventory that was locked away in their stores so stores are closed people can't get into the stores but mm-hmm. they could still
0: fulfill from the stores
1: mm-hmm.
0: a lot of retailers could not do that um, w- one of the most affected sectors is the brick- and- mortar retail space um, and you know for me it's 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 sad to see because I don't want that experience of going into a department store um, and just getting lost in, in the shopping experience to go away. You definitely cannot get that experience behind the screen. So the customer
1: journey was already, you know, changing. And when I say journey, you know, roll back ten years, people would I wanted to buy something, I went to the store, I browsed, I looked, right, I looked at my options, you know, et cetera. Um, well, pre-COVID, people were spending their time online, maybe on their phone, right? Looking and searching, et cetera. Some then went to a store and then, because I want to actually feel it and touch it and want to look at my options, right? Some were happy to order it online, but some actually had it delivered at the store versus delivered home. I mean, there are all kinds of journey paths. Um, And so the companies that will ultimately win are the companies that figure out how to optimize that multi-channel journey
0: Mm. that allow
1: me to do what I want to do, where I want to do it, because that may be different than where you want to do it. Uh, And does technology play a role? Yes. You can't do any of that without the right underlying data structures, technology, systems, right, et cetera. But my crystal ball, this is just Shelley speaking on Shelley, stores aren't going away. Now, will we
0: have fewer of them? Sure. Will the role they play evolve? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your forthcoming book, Unapologetically Ambitious, uh, so you talk around talk about um, you know, creating success success on your own terms um, You talk about how it aims to be an inspiring blueprint for personal and professional success um, I'm curious in a world that right now is is Mostly driven by large conglomerates large enterprises. Can one person still make a difference? Oh Absolutely I believe that people have
1: more power as an individual, when I say power, than they realize. And we just don't use it all. But right. yes, I absolutely, absolutely believe that an individual can make a difference. I was on a you know, perfect example. So I've been personally very passionate about trying to help boards become more diverse. And so over the last 10 years, I've done a lot of things um, to try to help drive that. And I'm proud of a lot of the impact that, that I've made. Well, I got involved with a group that said, you know what? We ought to have a board challenge where we challenge the companies that don't have any African-American or black directors um, mm-hmm. to at least get one. And we get companies that already have them to sign on is kind of say, yes, we champion this and we're going to encourage others, right, to do the same. So it's called the board challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that wasn't like this entity on high that decided we need to have a board challenge, right? right? No, that was people coming together saying, hey, what can we do to help move the needle and create a dynamic here where people are encouraged and supported, right? Mm-hmm. To drive this. That mm-hmm. was one person's initial idea. Yeah. So yeah, everybody has power. It yeah. really is just a matter of figuring out how you want to use it, Yeah, being intentional about it. Being intentional can help you achieve so much more um, than when you're actually not intentional about the steps that you're doing, the experience that you have, the opportunities that you take advantage of.
0: So Shelly, once again, thank you for coming back to DTV. Um, Your feedback was very inspiring, and I look forward to getting my hands on Unapologetically Ambitious, which is now, I guess, available uh, to pre-order on Amazon. So that's uh, what I'm going to do next after this interview. Thank you, everybody else, for joining us on this episode of DTV.